in part three of under construction today and uh, I don't know about you but I've really been blessed by this word that God has given us and and I believe that um, all of us are being changed even though we can't see it maybe in our lives on a daily basis how many of you know there are times when you see somebody and you say my you have really uh, changed you know you don't look like you used to or maybe someone's lost a lot of weight they don't see it you know they'll come back with well I'm still trying to lose that next five pounds but we see things sometimes that other people don't see and I know God sees in each one of you today what he uh, has done in your life even though today you may be faced with something new that seems like an overcoming circumstance uh, God's brought you through the other things that you faced, and he'll bring you through everything else that you face. He is faithful. Amen. We're going to turn this morning to 2 Corinthians. That's where you can turn to. 2 Corinthians 4, that's where we're going to be, but um, we're going to begin. But I want to just give you a little review. We've been talking about how when God created the heavens and the earth, the Bible says in Hebrews eleven three, he framed the world with things that were invisible. In other words, he didn't make the world or the earth out of things that were seen. In fact, it says there was gross darkness over the earth at that time. Only thing there, the Holy Spirit covering the earth. We know that Jesus was there because we talked about that last week. In him, all things were created. Through him and for him, all things were created. So the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. But as we know the earth today, it was just void. Everybody say void. And uh, sometimes in our lives, we may be in that position where we feel void. Well, God is able to create out of nothing something. And he's also able to recreate something that is existing that needs to be changed. He's able with his creative power to change that into something beautiful. That's what he did for us. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Behold, he makes all things new. When we are born again, we become a new creation. Well, what does that mean? It doesn't mean that we have to be born again as we know being born, but it does mean that on the inside of us, there's a part of us, our spirit man, that comes alive, and there is something new about us. And if you have received Jesus, you know that day when you got born again, something new happened. Nobody could tell you you hadn't received Jesus. You just knew something was different on the inside of you, and it was. But our outside nature, the way we follow our life along and the things that we go by, uh, those things have to be changed by the renewing of our mind. Everybody say renewing of our mind. And, and by looking to Jesus, that's what we talked about last week, that we are created in the image of God and that Jesus was the image of the invisible God. In other words, when we see Jesus and we look in the word of God, especially in the gospels, as we look, as, as we look at his life, we see what God really wants us to live our life like. He's our example. He is the image of the invisible God. And if you really start uh, looking in that, we're going to look at a little bit of that today. You begin to see that God did not create you to just live through life with no hope. But he created you to create. Everybody say, I am created, I am created. to create. Now, I know some people maybe would disagree with that, but I believe that was one of God's motivations. When he saved, saved us, he was restoring mankind to the original intent, which was the Garden of Eden. And in the Garden of Eden, Adam was told to tend the garden. He was told to take care of things. He even gave the animals their names. God didn't name the animals. Adam named the animals. Why? Because God gave him full authority and dominion. That's what he lost 
But Jesus has made a way for that to be regained by those who know God, those who walk with God. And I was reading in this uh, Faith to Faith for September, I think it was 18th. It says, why did God create you? What have we seen and ourselves heard we also are telling you so that you too may realize and enjoy fellowship. Everybody say fellowship. As partners and partakers with us. Partakers of what? The fellowship that comes through knowing God through the blood of Jesus Christ. The ability to live in the presence of a living God. Not to just go through life, but to recognize that you are going through life with him if you're born again. And it says God is not a denominator. God is love. And love needs someone to give to. God is a giver. And and he could give to the angels, but they weren't created in his image. He needed to have fellowship with a real person. How many of you like to say hi to your dog? You'd like your dog to jump on your lap? My husband does. And he pets the dog, and the dog rolls over and looks at him. In fact, he tells me at night, just look how this dog looks at me. (laughs) This is the way you need to look. See, if you looked at me like this, I'd rub your feet every night. (laughs) Hallelujah. That dog just looks at him. However, when he wants to talk to somebody, after a while... He's interested in talking to me because I'm created like him and I can converse with him. The dog can bark. The dog can, you know, lay there and be rubbed. But the dog is not human and the dog does not have the capability to communicate. God created you in his image. He is a communicator. It's not about just praying to God. It's hearing from God. Amen. And so it was fellowship that God wanted. There comes a time when you need to have communion on your own level and he has a desire to fellowship with you. I read this on Wednesday night and I just thought it was so good. I want to read it to you again today. I had gotten this article in, uh, I think it was uh, Hagen's magazine, but it says the Savannah story. It says, as a father, at one point, the words I wanted to hear from my daughter Savannah more than anything else were, Dad, will you snuggle with me? How many of you have ever had children who want to snuggle? That little guy, Jeremiah, is a snuggler. Isn't he? The longer I prayed, the more he snuggled up. You know, I was thinking, I was just about to cry because this message today is really about the fact that God wants to snuggle with us. He wants to be that close to us. And when, when you hear God's voice, it makes you want to just, just really be close because it's such, a, it's such a nice voice. It's such a caring voice. He's the father. And this is what it says. My wife, Jody and I would, would always snuggle with her. And eventually, she was two or three. She still wanted to, to come and snuggle with them. Well, that, you know, that got old because she would take a while to fall asleep, so they let her get in their bed. And to make a long story short, then she didn't want to get out of their bed. How many of you have ever let a child get in your bed? It says, so for a while, I'd take her upstairs before we went to bed. And during the night, she'd come back downstairs and crawl into our bed. Well, they decided that they should stop that. And so they shut their bedroom door. They locked it. They said it was very hard for us to say no, but we said no anyway. Finally, he said it got real quiet, so we thought she went back upstairs to sleep. She had come down and tried to get in and couldn't get in the house or couldn't get in the bedroom. And so she. the rest of the story is so touching. It says, when I woke up the next morning, I could see her little fingers in the gap underneath the bedroom door. She was lying on a blanket on a tile floor, sleeping with her hand pushed under our bedroom door as far as it would go. She wanted to be with us so badly that she thought, if all I can get in there are my fingers, then that's going to have to be enough for me. She wanted to be by her dad and her mom. Why? Because 
they snuggled with her. What does that say? I'll take care of you. I love you. I'm your protector. I'm your provider. I will always be with you. Savannah eventually did stop coming downstairs. She's 12 now and she sleeps in her own bed, it says. But it says, I believe there are a lot of us who give up, but Savannah never quit. She wanted to be with us so much that her fingers were enough. She wasn't going to let the door, cold tile, or being uncomfortable keep her out of the presence. In the same way, we shouldn't let anything keep us out of the presence of God. I believe a lot of people today are living their life out of the presence of God, not because God doesn't want to be with them, but because they don't understand that if they can just get their fingers under the door, you know, just get close to God, that he will change everything. And that's today what we're going to talk about. You know, God has put within us creative power. Everybody say creative power. But you are supposed to create what God wants. Not what we want, but what God wants. Well, we can't create what God wants unless we snuggle up really good with God because we are creatures of habit. We, we create with our mouth every day things that we should not have created. In fact, some of you can maybe think of things this morning that you said that if you think back on that and, and God says, do you really want me to do that? I mean, is that what you really want? Oh, no, that's not what I re- That's what I see. Everybody say, that's what I see. And we had that message of faith. And if you'll go to 2 Corinthians, if you're not already there, 4.13, it says, since we have the same spirit of faith, what is that? The faith that God's put in us by the power of the Holy Spirit, it talks about in the same chapter in verse 7, the power of the Holy Spirit, that excellence of power, it's called, that same spirit of faith, according to what is spoken, I believed and therefore I spoke. I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. I think we do not have a revelation of what that means. And this entire series was birthed out of God saying to me, it's very important in the day you're living in that your words agree with my words. Because everything around us is beginning to look like the opposite of what the word of God says. In fact, there are people that are on purpose trying to remove God from everything. And so if we do not snuggle up, if we do not stay close to God, if we do not walk in that same spirit of faith that God put on the inside of us, everything that the world is beginning to say will become right or it will become something that we would meditate on to try to figure out if it is right. And in that process, if we're not looking at Jesus, if we're not snuggled up to the word of God, then we're going to believe a lie. Everybody say, believe a lie. And beyond that, we have the power to change what we see. And the enemy is trying to shut that up. I know you'll just think this is because I'm old, but I thought of this this morning about 530. In our world today, words are trying to be shut out, the spoken word. We are texting. We are emailing. We are doing everything but talking. We are doing everything but communicating. We're doing everything but using our voice. That is a subtle way of shutting down the creative power of God. And you can say, she's just an old woman. She's not in with the times. Listen, generation means from life to death, not just one group to the next. And I'm in this generation. I know what God is saying in my life, and he has really been checking me on my words. And I get in conversations and start rehearsing the lack of, of things instead of the abundance of things and God is wanting to move his abundance into the earth and we are the people who carry that word 
We are the people who carry that light. We are the people who can bring it to pass. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you, if you look at that scripture, it says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, did we just not say, I believe, therefore I speak, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. What does that mean? That means that we believe with this heart that is unbelieving. We say with our mouth, I believe, and we are saved. That is miraculous. That is miraculous. That changes you from an old creation to a new creation. That changes you to a person who is partnering with God. Immediately, you are partnering with God. I thought when he got old of me, I was not such a good partner. Hallelujah. I wasn't saying what God was saying. But over the years, I have learned that I am a partner with God. What does that mean? I am supposed to be like Adam was. I'm supposed to tend the earth for God in the sphere of influence he gives me. Are you getting this? Now, listen, this isn't about helping maybe the person at work. I'm talking about your family today. You know, there's so many people who say, my family is a mess. Well, don't say that. Because you have authority and dominion over that family. I still pray and stand the gap for my children. John, Elizabeth, Lori, Joey, all my children. For my parents, for my grandchildren. The sphere of influence is enlarging. Hallelujah. And trying to stay on top of all that. But the word of God commands us that we are created to create. We are created to bring about in the earth what God has called us to do. We have the same faith, the same spirit of faith. According to that, I believe and therefore I speak. And the only way to be saved is that very principle. I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth. Why did God do that? He said salvation is made when your confession agrees with your heart and agrees with God. And then you are saved. If that miracle can take place, then the same miraculous power goes with every word that you speak once you've declared that. Once you've declared that, then you are in charge. Turn to your neighbor and say, holy cow. I don't know where they got that expression, but that's pretty, that's pretty amazing, folks. That is very amazing. See, it's not about when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing, although that will be a great day of rejoicing. But when we get saved, it says all of the angels in heaven rejoice on that day. Why? Because God has one more person who can speak what he once spoken over the things of this earth. And when they speak those things, the power of God goes into motion. We can't see it, but that's what happens. The thing is, we got to stay with it. Everybody say, stay with it. You know, uh, it says in Matthew 8, 8, when the centurion came and he had a servant who was ill. Uh, this is just one example. There's so many examples, but I just like this story. And it says when he came, he came and asked Jesus, you know, told him about his servant. And Jesus said, I will come and heal him. And, and the centurion answered in verse 8 and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Do you know healing can be spoken into situations and circumstance. In, in Psalm 107, it says that the Lord sent his word and he healed them. Pam had a really bad report for her father. Some things that were going to have to take place in his life. And we all began to pray. And I believe he began to pray. And he made a decision. I'm going to live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. Everybody say a decision. That's our right. That is our right as a believer. And his family got an agreement. He went and had the surgery that he was supposed to have, which would have been followed by uh, 
chemo, radiation, and some things, that doctor says there is no more cancer and there is no need for chemo or radiation. Hallelujah. Everybody say, praise God. See, that is, that's, what, that's when people, even though they cry, they still say what the Word of God says. It doesn't say you can't cry and say the Word of God. You can cry all day long, but keep saying what God says. And in that statement, you are creating things that are not yet visible. But they are visible in the kingdom realm because God said when Jesus died by those stripes, we are healed. Not going to be, we are. Hallelujah. And so if we start that with our children and we begin to declare it, does that mean we don't take them to the doctor? No. That means we use wisdom and common sense. But while we're taking them and over every pill they take, there's nothing that says you can't agree with the word of God. I was reading uh, Lynette Hagen had a real problem years ago. I didn't know this. But she had horrible pain. She hurt her uh, back where her tailbone was. She cracked her tailbone. I guess that's very painful. And she could not get rid of the pain. And she said, one day I was crying from my intense pain, and my husband told me something that I've practiced whenever I needed physical healing. He said, honey, every time you feel that pain, confess this. Everybody say, confess this. Thank you, Father, that the healing power of God is working in my body to affect a healing and a cure. Not my tailbone hurts. My tailbone hurts. My tailbone really hurts. My tailbone hurts really bad. My tailbone has hurt for many days. My tailbone is still hurt. No. Every time you feel the pain, everybody say the pain. Every time you look at a child that's not going the way God said for them to go, you don't say, see, they're doing it. You know, you say, my son, my daughter will walk in the things of God. They are taught the things of the Lord. You say, I forgot to teach them. Well, you're speaking it over them now, and it's the same as teaching because it's creative. It is creative. It is powerful. And that word that's going forth is bringing forth what we want to see. That makes confession See, when you understand that you are really created to do this, this isn't about hoping and wishing. This is about standing in the position that God gave us as believers in the earth. And we are going to have to be in this position solidly, solidly. I heard a statement this week that, you know, the Constitution says that we have rights, certain inalienable rights uh, given to us by our creator. And then it goes on. When the president quoted it, he left out given by our creator. Now, I don't know, maybe he forgot it, but I'll tell you if he did, the reason is he's not the only one in the world that likes to forget about God. And we have so long told people things and left out God that now even Christians say, I can do all things. Well, no, you can't. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. See, there's a difference there. It's when your entire being is counting on the God, the Father who created you to be the one who with your words will create what he intends. This is not about us making it the way we want it. It's about us standing in the gap and making it the way God wants it. And we have that responsibility. Mark eleven twenty two through 24 says, have faith in God. And then when you have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, everybody say says, be removed and be cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Now, is that a lie or is that truth? Did we not confess at the beginning of this service that the word of God is truth? And we know the word is truth, so we believe that if we live the word, we will be blessed. And if we don't, we won't. What if that includes not just being a good person, but taking dominion in the earth and speaking those things that are not as though they were. 
What if that means that? What if that's what that's about? Being like what God would have us be in the earth. In Genesis, I, I, um, Abraham is always a great example to use. But in Genesis, it says in chapter 12, The Lord God said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family, from your father's house, to a land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. Make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Well, as as an earthly father, he's called Father Abraham. Why is he called Father Abraham? Because he's the one that God originally made covenant with, the Abrahamic covenant that jesus fulfilled that we live in which is the blessing everybody say the blessing and it says i will curse those who curse you god will take care of those who are coming against us now that's good news you're awful silent today i'm full of shouting god will curse those who curse you what does that mean he will stop the work of the enemy against you because you belong to him you are equally yoked with him you are in his yoke Come unto me, all you are weary and need rest. You're heavy laden. Learn about me, Jesus said. What is that? That you have the ability to create what you cannot see. And Abraham is the example. Everybody say the example. He became the example, but he had to be obedient. Everybody say obedient. Obedient. He had to leave everything. He had to leave his family. He had to go to a place he did not know. And he got in that position, and God still spoke to him in all those places. And I want to read from my Bible in a minute from uh, chapter 17. But I want to give you this out of 15 first. It says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. And Abram said in verse 15, or chapter 15, verse 2, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? God goes on to tell him. Then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. That's, that would be his heir. And behold, the word of the Lord. Everybody say, the word of the Lord. Came to him, saying, this one shall not be your heir, but you shall come from, the one who comes from your own body will be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, look now toward heaven, count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said, so shall your descendants be. He believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Everybody say righteousness. So then how does he do this? He immediately goes into covenant. Everybody say covenant. He cuts a covenant so that that covenant assures Abraham of this promise. The only way to get it is if he gets God in covenant with him because it's God who creates through us. And, and, and eventually we see in verse in chapter 17, this is what it says. It says, when Abram was 99 years old, this is 25 years later. Everybody say 25 years later. And all Abraham's been able to say is, God told me that I'm, I'm going to be the father of all of this, you know, all these descendants. And they say, do you, do you have a son from your own loins? No, you know, I, it's supposed to be Sarah and Abraham. It's not that way. I don't have it yet, but I'm going to. How many of you have been saying for 25 years? Well, this is what it's going to be. 25 years is a long time. We've been saying for 21 that we came here to start a church that would be a large interdenominational church 
that would have many races and many faiths involved in it, that would have a Christian school, would have a Bible school, and we had all, it's in the vision of this church. We've been here 21 years. Now, we've got some of those things in process on different levels, but it is not what we saw. But we haven't, did, did you hear Pastor Bill saying we've given up on that? Have you ever heard him say that? He said we've taken detours. Hallelujah. But he didn't say we gave up. We're not going to give up. We may not see it. We may never see it. I believe we're about to see it. But if I never saw it, I am not stopping creating with my mouth what God said to create. Because that's what I'll be held accountable for when I stand before the throne of God. Not what happened, what God said. What God said. Abraham never saw you, Dan. But when he spoke, he was talking about you. He didn't see any of us. But he was speaking about what God had told him. And he says, God goes on to says, says to him at 99 now, I am almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. I will make my covenant. He says in verse 4, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. Everybody say nations. nations. Now he's talking nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, for your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. What did he do? He created that through Abraham. Abraham had nothing to do with that except Abraham had to believe. Everybody say he had to believe. And it says in Romans chapter uh, 4, I think it is, or yeah, Romans 4, where he says, I want to read it to you because it's important that you get this full understanding of this today. It says in 4, as it is written, 17, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. In other words, that was not in existence until God said it was going to be in existence. And once God said it and Abraham believed it, it was counted to him as righteousness. What does that mean? It's counted to him as righteousness. Righteousness puts him in a position where it's about God and not about him. Our righteousness is not of us. It's of God. And it's grace that makes that righteousness work in the things God wants to do. Who contrary to hope in hope believed so that he became the father of many nations. He became what God told him to be because he believed. Because he believed. And he had to begin to know and say what God was going to do. When he asked God, how are we going to do this? He says, we're going to do it through covenant. Everybody say through covenant. Why? Because covenant is about God yoking up with us. The stronger yokes up with the weaker. But when we get in that yoke, we get in a position where everything we say is as though God said it. Are you getting this today? I hope this stirs some of you up in this place to begin to ask God, what is it you want me to be saying? What do you want me to be doing? My husband talks to the television set. I mean, he speaks to the television set when he hears words that are said over our nation because God has put that in his heart in a big way right now. He sits and he, when he hears things, he binds those words in the name of Jesus and he's loosing the power of God. Now, if some psychiatrist came in there, they'd probably say, you know, he's getting old. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you can expect this, you know, they start talking to themselves and talking to inanimate objects. It happens. But, you know, that's not what God says. God says when things are dead, you give them life by speaking what God says to speak. Now, I don't know why my husband has been chosen by God 
to, for right now, sit in front of the TV and talk to it. But I am not going to argue about that. He told me from five to six every night, uh, he sits down, he has a notepad. You think he was going to college. He sits there and he listens to Glenn Beck give history of our nation and things that are going on that are documented things that are truth about what's happening in our nation. Listen, it's not about people. It's powers and principalities that are in the heavenlies that are exalting themselves against the knowledge of God and trying to take this nation down. And God is raising up people to sit there and for an hour declare that is a lie. That is from the pit of hell. That is not what God said about this nation. It is not what this nation's going to be because I've been called by God to bind and to loose. See, we get so caught up in talking about how bad it is, and that's exactly what the devil wants us to do. And now he's trying to get us to not talk to each other. We'll just text. We'll just we'll send emails. You know, they said in school, young people are starting to write you with a you and not Y-O-U. Listen, we're in serious trouble. <laughs> Amen? You laugh. I've done it in writing what the Lord's telling me. <laughs> Use the you. I think, oh, I'm one of them. Hallelujah. Oh, help me, Jesus. And why? Is that a bad thing? No. But we are made to communicate. We are the sound of our voice does something in eternity does something for eternity and we have got to start speaking the devil has shut down many believers in these last days by threatening them there is no threat that stands against the power of almighty god there is no threat that can stand hallelujah i'm getting hot okay it says in my bible that god reinstated man through redemption restored relationship to god by faith and recovered man's reign on the earth what does that mean? The same reign that Adam had, we now have through the blood of Jesus Christ. It says in Ephesians 1, and this is new covenant. This is about our covenant. We are in a covenant that is a better covenant, the Bible says. In Ephesians 1, this is what it says. In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. That is this word of God. In whom also, having believed, you were sealed. Everybody say sealed. Sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That Holy Spirit sealing is to say you are guaranteed that you are walking in a covenant that cannot be changed. It is secured by Almighty God through the blood of Jesus Christ. And the way you know it is by that excellence of power that lives on the inside of you. And I know every one of you have it. Every one of you at any moment could become radical if we could cancel your brain. Just for a minute and let you talk out of your spirit. Because the Spirit of God is, says that the violent take it by force. What is that? Energy, enthusiasm, excitement. What, where does that come from? From the heart of God. It certainly isn't going to come from the newspaper. It isn't going to come from what we see. It's going to come from what God says. It says in First Chronicles 29, 16, you know, when David was building the tabernacle, and uh, he, was, he was talking about his God. Everybody say his God. You know, the songs that we sang today were just perfect because it is God who is magnificent. Amen? He's wonderful. He's awesome. There is nothing that he does not do for his children. 
There is nothing that he will not do for those who obey him and love him. There is nothing that he will not change to make it be what he said it would be for your life. There is nothing that he cannot get in agreement with you. As you speak, you get in agreement with his word, and he will get in agreement with you, and that very thing will come to pass. Now, it may take 25 years. Turn your name and say, oh, no. But the, that's, that doesn't, if you're looking at how long things are going to take, I'll tell you, you will not be an effective laborer for the kingdom of God. You will always be jumping off the boat. You will always want to quit. You will always say, well, I'm just not doing this. Well, I'm just tired of this. Well, it's never going to happen. If that's where you are, then you are not truly speaking faith. Because if God said it, he's going to do it. And the person you're disagreeing with is God himself. Everybody say, uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh. Because I've had God say that to me. Did I tell you this or did I not tell you this? You told me. Then why are you saying you don't know? Because you know. Well, I do know, but nobody else does. (laughs) Well, who counts? Me or everybody else? We are in that position today in the earth. And to stand fast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, takes this kind of an understanding. I have been constructed by God. I have been constructed by the living God and the power of God that now resides in me is his power speaking through me every day that I live. And this is the, David understood this because he talked about God's power and majesty. But in verse 16 of first Chronicles 29, he said, Oh Lord God, all this abundance, everybody say abundance, abundance that we have prepared to build you a house for your holy name is from your hand and is all your own. In other words, We are building this house that's going to be magnificent, this temple. But really, it all came from you. It didn't come from us. It came from you. The only reason we're building it is because we believed you. The only reason we're going to live in it is because you put us there. The only reason we can be those people is because you anointed us for this purpose in the earth at this time. And it goes on. In my Bible, it says that... um, That God created, it says he has delegated the stewardship, everybody say stewardship, of earth's affairs to mankind. You might want to say "Uh uh-oh again. He has delegated the stewardship of earth's affairs. Noble views of God's sovereignty must be balanced with the complementary view of man's duties and redeemed capacities. Neglect of this balance, while seeming to extol God's greatness, can produce apathy and irresponsible attitudes. For example, God does not predestine mismanaged resources, families, politics, and so on any more than he does human sinning. Man is responsible and accountable for earth's problems, and reinstated under God is intended to become the agent for their solution. Did you get that? Isn't that exciting? I believe God has assigned that. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven and I will come and I will heal their land. What are we supposed to be praying? Oh, dear God, we're going to hell in a handbasket. Nope. In the name of Jesus, I command every reigning authority to get into line with the word of God. Now, again, you can cry while you say it, but you better be saying what God ordained us to say. Because the problems of this earth are not God's problems. They blame all of it on God, but it isn't God. It is not God. And furthermore, it is not people. It's people who are not listening and obeying the truth of God. But it is not their idea. People think that they're very smart. Well, we are not smart without God. 
and they're only smart because they're listening to the devil and he's telling them they're smart and they're not smart. But they think they're smart. See, there's two voices out there listening to one or the other. And we make that choice, that decision. My eyes, God says, when you pray like that, will be open continually to your prayers. Open continually and I will answer and I will hear you. I will do what you ask me. You know, I was, uh, I've been looking on the Internet each day for Brother Hagee's uh, prayer for, for our nation. Today is when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. We have authority. And this is what it says. Oh, Lord, thank you for our American form of government, which allows the common citizen, turn your neighbor and say, that's us, to rise to positions of influence in public office. We ask your forgiveness for not being good stewards. I thought, wow. And that's exactly what the word is for us today. That we have been given human responsibility. We have been given responsibility to be stewards over this nation. You say, but I don't work in the White House. Oh, no, you work in a far greater house. You build, you're in the house whose builder and maker is God himself. And it's not made with human hands, and it's not made with things that you can see, but it's made out of things that are invisible. And you live in that house, and you are the one who speaks authority over that house. And the earth and the fullness thereof belongs to God, and all the people in it and the people who know God have authority and have dominion to change what is happening in our nation. And everybody said, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Boy, I'm getting excited. I don't know where, I'm, where I might end up, hallelujah, but I'm going to end real quick. Here we go. <laughs> Ephesians 2.10. Everybody say Ephesians 2.10. This is what it says, that you are his workmanship. You are his workmanship created. Everybody say created. In Christ Jesus for good works. You know, that word works, uh, Paul said it also in, in Colossians. He said that he's working mightily in me, that he's working his works mightily in me. It's, it's energeia. It's, it's a form of power. Uh, I remember when Marilyn Hickey said, we will never forget energeia, and she have us raise our hand at a word explosion once. And so I've never forgotten that word, and whenever I see it, I think of her. But it, she said, we have power. Everybody say power. We have power in this house. We have power in our house. That when we begin to speak, we are his workmanship created for good works. We're created to speak into existence those things that are not as though they were. Now, this is very important for your life, right where you are. How many of you have things in your life that are not the way God told you they would be? Well, then the answer to that is prayer. Number one, a prayer that says what God says, quoting what God says. This is the confidence. First John 5, 14 and 15. This is the confidence. Everybody say confidence. This is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears us. Everybody say that's important. See, God is a communicator. He hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know. That doesn't say we hope. That doesn't say we, we're not sure. Why does it not say that? Because we are created by him. And that power of creation is on the inside of us. So when we ask, when we make those petitions known, we are asking in our words for it to be created as if it isn't, as, it, as if it is what it isn't. Does that make sense? Yes. Help me here. Yes. As we're making what isn't is. Yes. Just that simple. 
And this is critical. Next week, we're going to talk about creative words. And the man that I read the book from in the beginning, Charles Capps, who was a farmer who got this word in his heart. And he just, it became real. And he began to talk about the creative force of the tongue. But I'm telling you, uh, we have never lived in such a day as we're living in today where we will get to see the power of God manifested in our lives. But it has to start in your own house. It has to start in your own family. It has to start with your finances. It has to start with your children. It has to start with your life. It has to become a reality to you in your own house before you're going to be able to take it to the house next door. It has to become that. So what does that mean? That means that you can't do it with somebody else's faith. It has to become a living witness in your life. I live like this and this is what I speak. When I see these situations, I go home, I pray, and I speak the word directly over that position. As God has directed me to speak it, that's what I speak. I do not speak what I say. And this is the confidence that I have. That he hears me because I'm speaking his words. And as I'm speaking his words, his creative force is going just like it did in the very beginning when God created the heavens and the earth. Because that creative force is in you. The Holy Spirit of God. Amen. Let's stand up together. Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you, Lord, that you're working. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you have drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.